Welcome back, everybody. We continue all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700, Jimmy B at TC. Uh, and welcoming in right now, Danny Davis, the Longhorn, Austin Statesman, as he covers the University of Texas Longhorns. He joins us on the Draft House 50 hotline, Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Danny, how are you, man? I'm good. appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's great to have you on. Let's start with this game because we've tried to, at least for the most of the week, tried to figure out who Texas is. Is it the team that's going to show up in Ames tonight, the team that played Maryland, or the team that played USC right right to the wire? Do you have a handle on this or what? Well, if you've got guys to figure that out, please don't say that out, that out loud because they may give you my job because we, <laughs> we, we do not know that answer yet. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see um, you know, what happens because, you know, they played really well coming off that USC game against the USC team that I think the spread was 17 or 18 points and probably a lot of people were taking those uh, you know points to USC and you know, it took them double overtime probably. You know, maybe if they'd been able to make a stop at the very end of regulation would have won that game and got the upset. And so... Kind of look at the calendar and, you know, say going from USC to Iowa State, no offense to, you know, the Iowa State fans that are listening, but, you know, it's not, you know, the same, you know, caliber of program as far as perception. People may think that, uh, you know, um, you know, Texas would just roll over an Iowa State team, but, you know, this Iowa State team is pretty good. And, um, you know, Texas does have a really weird loss to Maryland on its record, and they've, you know, Iowa State always plays them close in Ames, and so, we're going to find out if this is the USC team. If they play like they did, you know, a couple weeks ago, they should win this game. But if they don't, this Iowa State team is definitely good enough to beat them, and you know, maybe should be favored in this game. Well, you look at uh, you mentioned the USC game. Why didn't Tom Herman go for two in the end of the first overtime in the win? I mean, that's the game. He was kind of you know a little hesitant. He said he kind of liked his his offense, um, the way his offense would play at the end of the. Um, regu- regulation and like the way his defense is playing at the moment. And then later in the week when he's kind of pressed a little bit more about it, he mentioned that the player that actually scored the touchdown on is kind of a, you know, roll up to your right and the tight end sneaks out to the left and, you know, is a freshman tight end, his first ever catch. So it was a, a three yard touchdown catch. And so they kind of said a couple, you know, a couple of days later that that was their two point play. And I guess they only had one in the playbook because, uh, um, they said that they kind of used that play and, you know, they just didn't feel comfortable with anything else they had in the system, so they decided to kick in and uh, you know, extend the game. But, you know, in retrospect, um, I'm sure they may have liked to have that decision back, but that was at least what they were telling the media the last couple uh, days. Having a conversation right now with Danny Davis from the Austin Statesman as we get you ready for tonight's big game. Um, I'm real curious about this. We saw the way that Texas defensive line and the secondary, the way they played against Sam Darnold. Now you're going to go against a quarterback in Jacob Park who doesn't get the accolades that Darnold does. But he throws it around a lot and he throws it pretty good and he's got a great team of wide receivers will it be key for the texas defense to get as much pressure as they can on the quarterback or will they try to sit back and defend what what do you see this are they dropping in the coverage in the secondary i mean this texas team likes to be aggressive i I assume they're going to try to go after um jacob park and try to pressure him into mistakes you know it's, it's often said that you know 
cornerbacks get all the blame when something bad happens, but a good cornerback usually has a good defensive line playing with them. So, if, you know, if Texas can get some pressure, which, you know, they struggle at times this season um, doing it, they can get some pressure on the quarterback and, you know, force him into mistakes. It's going to make, you know, Colton Hill and, you know, uh, Chris Boyd and some of those defensive backs job a lot easier because, you know, when you have an Alan Lazard and you know, Hakeem Butler coming on, I mean, you can't just uh, drop guys back into cover and pray something works out because those guys are very talented receivers. You can't just give them time. So, you know, Texas needs to win, you know, Jacob Park does uh, back to pass. Needs to kind of get as much pressure on him and try to shorten those routes and, you know, make, make life a little bit more miserable for the Iowa State offense. Well, Danny, there's been uh, so much attention, obviously, at the quarterback position. What's going to happen with Bouchel, Ellinger, you know, who we're going to see get the start? Are they going to share reps? All those things. But you know, I, I just look at the running game this year, and Chris Warren, just an absolute battering man, a uh, ram of a man out there, 250 pounds. Has a big game against San Jose, San Jose State, but the two games before, Maryland, six carries, four carries against USC, and just this running game in general. What's happening there with the Longhorns? And the running game is, I mean, that's been a, if you're in the Austin area, if you've uh, read our, any of our, you know, stories the last couple of weeks, I mean, that's just been a constant question for Tim Beck and Tom Herman and his offensive staff. It's just, some, you know, a lot of questions. I mean, first of all, I mean, Kyle Porter's back there too, and Texas is pretty insistent that those two running backs are, I think Tim Beck called them interchangeable uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I think Kyle Porter has three more carries a season than um, Chris Warren, although Chris Warren has been more productive. And, you know, they'll insist that the Maryland and the USC numbers were because, you know, just what they just were not working. The ground game was not working. Uh, Maryland, because they, they got down kind of early in USC because their offensive line <laughs> fell apart and they just couldn't run the ball. So, um, you know, they you know, want to be able to run the ball. It's just a matter of whether or not they'll be able to. And I'm sure that when they do attempt to run it, you're going to see a good uh, dose of number 25 and number 21 out there because they want to use both backs and they have faith in both backs and it's just a matter of whether or not they can act- actually establish something against an Iowa State team that you know, statistically looks like they're playing pretty decent against the run so far although uh, you guys are probably better at telling me you know whether or not you know the Iowas and the Akrons with those running games are really that potent that they're playing. When you look at the, the running games that they played, Iowa's been dealing with uh, some moving parts up front along their offensive line actor and mm-hmm. uh, not so much there either. And yeah, Iowa State, uh, we know they're improved from what they were in their front seven over the last few years. It's actually been the secondary that, that's been a little bit of a disappointment. You know, you mentioned early on, you know, the perspective of you go from playing USC to Iowa State. They're both road games a couple of years ago that was a rough one for Texas as they made their way up to Ames. But there's still that perception. It's We're talking 19 to 20-year-old to 22-year-old kids. Difficult for them to get up. How much of a conversation has that been? I know Tom Herman talked a little bit about this. Is You have to be ready for everybody you play. It doesn't matter if it's USC or Iowa State. Is that a read that you were able to get with the guys talking with them this week, where their head is facing Iowa State? Yeah, and once again, I don't mean to you know, talk down on the Iowa State fans uh, with, with y'all listening out there, but you know, these are 20, you know, 20 to 21 year old kids, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, they don't view Iowa State and USC in the same light, but you know, a lot of these guys are you know, juniors that were here two years ago, and they know what it's like to lose here. And, most of this team, with the exception, you know, maybe like, you know, Sam Ellinger, some of these freshmen also know what it's like to go to Kansas and expect to win it and lose to Kansas, which nobody really does. So, right. I mean, I think, I think for the most part, you know, it'd be wise. And I think these guys probably are respectful of everyone they play and they know that Iowa State can beat them. And, 
you know, last year I was going to you know help a lead pretty late in the first half uh, down in Austin before mm-hmm. you know you know Texas kind of pulled away in the second half. So, I mean, they know I was they can play with them, and uh, they've seen enough film to see what they can do. And obviously, you know, when you have you know players like Alan Lazard and you've seen him what he's done in the last couple couple of years up here. I mean, they it, it'd be foolish if they went out there just expecting to win because you do that, you're going to lose, and even if they go out. You know, expecting a dogfight, there's no guarantee they're coming out with a win. So, I mean, I'm hoping they uh, respect uh, the Cyclones because that would make uh, it's going to make my job a lot more interesting if they, if they don't. <laughs> Danny Davis is our guest. We like his uh, honesty on this show. Uh, he's on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Danny, let me follow up here. The loss to Maryland, uh, Texas fans were probably devastated. The loss to USC, I'm sure that they could handle that much better. But if Texas were to lose this game tonight against Iowa State, now look, I know it's Tom Herman's first year, and 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 and, and the wheels are not going to go crazy uh, in the front office of the university. But will the fans of Texas already then start to question that they hired the wrong guy again? Could that possibly even take place? Look, I know how fanatical those Texas fans are and how they believe that they're like Alabama, that they should be in the championship game every year. And, you know, it's it's just like, it's, it's just the way that they uh, feel. But but could the could the wheel start to turn a little bit, even on Tom Herman, if they were to lose tonight? Uh, and honestly, you know, there's some fans out there. If Texas doesn't win by 40 tonight, they're probably going to wonder if they, um, you know, hired the right guy. I mean, there's people that aren't going to be happy regardless of what. Um, you know, they think that you know Texas should be in the national, you know, championship conversation every year. And you know, but the fact of the matter is, you know, win or lose, you know, this is still a rebuilding project here. Texas is not going to a, you know, BCS playoff uh, this year. They're not going to be contending for a national championship probably for. A couple of years until you know they get the system in and they get the culture change and all that, all that stuff. And you know what? I think most people in this, um, you know, most people kind of follow this conference view. Oklahoma is the best team in the conference, or one or two best teams in the conference, and Baylor is one of the worst. And, and look what happened last week. I mean, this is a, you know, the people at Iowa State—they're all getting you know scholarships to play football too. You know, those coaches are getting paid nice uh, sums of money to coach football teams too, and so. Um, you know, anything can happen on any given day. So I would hope that fans would be rational regardless, but we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens because you, know, you guys know how fans are. They, uh, they're, they're called fans for a reason. Well, Danny, uh, very well said there. Let's uh, break it down here, finish up. Prediction, what do you expect to see up at Jack Trice Stadium tonight? I've never been one for predicting scores, but this makes me look foolish. Even if, you know, if I took a four-point game, if I took it to be you know, twenty-one to seventeen, and it's still a four-point game, it's forty-four to forty. People are going to call me an idiot. So, I, I mean, I think Texas wins. Um, I think coming off the USC game, I think they're going to have a little bit of a boost and some confidence in themselves that they may not have had um, after starting the season. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Texas uh, washes a little bit of that sour taste out of their mouth from two years ago and uh, goes back to Austin with a victory. Danny, thank you, Mud, for your time. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, let's get up and get going for the football game. We're ready, so we'll see you there. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it, guys. That's Danny Davis, the Longhorn, Austin Statesman. He covers the Texas Longhorns on the Draft House 50 hotline. Interesting perspective, Trent, 
about uh, how he looks at this game. He says, God, I hope these guys just don't get off the bus thinking that they could go in and win because he thinks then that would not be the case. And, and I, that's one of the things that I kind of jumped to early on. Yeah, the uniforms look the same, Jimmy B, Iowa State yep. and USA, at least when they're not wearing those garbage charcoal-colored ones. God, those things are awful. Have you seen what they're wearing tonight yet? I, I don't think I've seen it on Twitter. Have you? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh-uh. Have I hope it. they're wearing clothes. That'll be good. <laughs> that, that, that'll be good. But, yeah, hopefully they're wearing something, you know, better. Than, I, I hate those. You can't read the numbers, Jimmy B. You can't I, I know. read the yeah. numbers when they're wearing those stupid things. Enough. <laughs> I, know, I understand. you got to be different. Just put on the jerseys that look like USC. Maybe you'll get a victory like USC did against Texas. How about that? Maybe maybe they will. Maybe they will. It's going to be great. All right, uh, quick break. We will continue as we roll on all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back. It's Jimmy B and TC. Britson uh, kicked out of the chair and a uh, much better conversation right now. My man Wolfgang is here. Wolfie, what's up? What's up, Trent? You traitor? What, what do you mean? I'm just I'm, I'm heading up to Ames tonight. I'm excited to watch some football. We got a good matchup. Big 12, well, not supremacy, but middle of the pack on the line. Iowa State and Texas, why aren't you going? You're, you're the big cyclone guy. Middle of pack on the line. You said that so. <laughs> you didn't mean to be a jerk there. You're just a jerk, Trent. No, I'm a nice guy. Everybody loves nah, Well, not everybody loves me up there. A few people like me up there. Well, very few people like me up there. Regardless, I'm heading up there. I got... I'm I'm wearing a red polo, not Iowa State affiliate. I'm wearing a red polo. Those I'll be in the press box covering the game, blue yeah. jacket over top of it. I'm uh yeah I'm I'm not up there as a fan. I will not have a rooting interest. I'll be up there as a media member. I'm just doing my job, Wolfgang. No, Trent, this is actually exciting. I think this is because I think both you and I think Iowa State is a bowl team. Yeah. Um, if they win tonight, if they win tonight. Interesting. So if they don't win tonight, if you had to put money on it, Trent, you love this stuff. Yes. I don't know if you love me putting this putting you on the spot. <laughs> but would if they if Iowa State loses, you know, by two points yep. at the end of the game and they played great. They played Texas great. So Iowa State loses, would mm-hmm. you bet that Iowa State makes a bowl game? I would not. Yes or no? I would not. I would say I would bet on them not making a bowl game if they lose tonight, regardless of the fashion that it is. And it comes down to schedule. All right? Yes, we understand Kansas there. But if that's the case, they are sitting at 2-2 two and two with 8 to play. They have to get four victories out of this stretch. All right? You ready, Wolfgang? Let's play this I'm ready, game. ready, buddy. At Oklahoma. Loss. Kansas at home, that's a win. Victory there. Yes, easy enough. All right. From there, at Texas Tech. I think it's a win. I heard heard you talk a little bit yesterday. You've fallen in love with Texas Tech more than most people, I would say. So you're looking good there right now, I guess, is what you were saying. You were right. I'm giving Iowa State a win there. You're not. On the road, in Lubbock, an improved defense, a team that's forcing turnovers and we certainly know they can score with a couple of former Hawkeyes out there, Nick Shimanick and uh, Derek Willies. I don't have that in the win column. I don't. TCU at I, that's home. That's not unfair. That's not unfair at all. Yes, I get what you're saying. Okay, so you only have them at three wins right now. Three wins. TCU at home. Ninth-ranked TCU. That's a loss, my friend. Okay. At West Virginia. 
That is fitty, fitty. Oh, boy, Trent. What are you trying to do? Bring us down? I mean, I'm pumped for this game. So what's actually what you're doing is pumping me up. More yes, that, that's what I'm getting to. And I, I've said it all week. I, I rarely put my, my chips to the middle and say that this team is going to do it early in the week. But from Monday, I, I have felt that Iowa State is going to win this football game. But it is of utter importance. Look at the schedule. If they don't get it, find four wins in there that you're confident with. It's difficult to do. But if you win this game tonight, you're 3-1. and one. That means only three more wins, and well, you still have Kansas on the schedule, right? That, that certainly helps things up. The Baylor game, though Baylor played better against your Sooners last week, they're certainly uh, no, no tell, uh, you know, top 10 team like they once were. The opportunity is there, but I think they have to get this game tonight to get to six. Okay, so you're given the West Virginia game is home or away. It's at West Virginia. Gosh, what are you doing to me, man? Yeah, and, and, he, and here's the other part of it. Three of their last four are on the road. At West Virginia, the only home game in that stretch is Oklahoma State. At Baylor, at Kansas State. That's how they wrap up. At Baylor, at Kansas State. Okay, at Baylor, I'm giving them a win. I know mm-hmm. they look good against Oklahoma. I have no idea how they did that. Are they not 0-3 or 0-4, for crying out loud? Right. I, one of the guys was joking, they're the best 0-4 team in the country because they're the only one, I guess. I don't know. But... <laughs> At, at some point, Iowa State, this is the year. Okay, so it's Texas. This isn't Vince Young, Texas. This isn't no. Vince Young, Texas, that went up against USC last week. This isn't the same team. This is a Texas team that has stunk for a few years now. Charlie Strong did a bad job. Do I think Charlie Strong maybe deserved one more year just from guys that I know that are fans of Texas, the writers that are at Texas, I heard so many people saying they got the talent in there. He deserves one more year. Watch what they do this coming year. They've been wrong so far, obviously, with the loss to Maryland. You lost to Maryland, for crying out loud. You did a great job against USC. A lot of people don't think – I haven't watched a ton of USC this year. I'll be honest. I have not watched. I know their quarterback is not living up to the hype from what I've seen. No. Uh, Doesn't mean he's not going to be a stud to finish out the year. Doesn't mean he's – not going to be a stud in the NFL. So far, not good. Way too many interceptions, and it's not even a small sample size anymore with how much he's turning over the ball. But Iowa State fans, this is the year because he's putting, Herman's putting his stuff in place. He's getting the team to buy into the culture of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to get more and more comfortable. They're going to get better and better recruits at Texas as it goes along. This is the year where Iowa State and I'm not saying luck. I'm saying they need to get the job done. This is the year where if you want to be something and make something of yourself, you pick these blue bloods off at this time, Trent. You, this is when it has to be done. They mm-hmm. have to get it done. And quite frankly, before I talked to you, I didn't realize how important this game was. I kind of thought if they lost this game, they were still going to make it through a bowl game. Now, after you throwing that out there, the schedule, now I'm a little worried, Trent. It's it's a big spot. It really is, and and I like how you you brought up you know what happens with these two teams and, and an opportunity to beat a blue blood. You, know, you think of Iowa State, Texas. There's been some fun, interesting games throughout the years. They still have only beat them twice, two times. They're, they're two and twelve all time against this squad. So the victory that came twenty four nothing two years ago up here in Ames, the last victory, in fact, of the Paul Rhodes era. They beat them back in two thousand ten. But outside of that. 
there has not been much success against this Longhorn team. It always feels good to beat Texas. You know, we a little inferiority pri- uh, you know, complex when you're going up against the Longhorns and the Longhorn Network and, and the amount of money that they bring in. The opportunity is there. Crowd's pumped up. Tailgating's going to be awesome. Get in there. Get loud tonight. If you want to see your team make a destination trip somewhere this winter, you have to get this football game tonight. And Wolfgang, I think they do it because Texas isn't that good. USC isn't that good. I think they go out there, and I don't think the Longhorns can keep up with them offensively. Even against, and that team looked very good defensively. Texas looked good defensively against USC. I still think Iowa State's going to score, even against this talented Texas D. I think they put points on the board, and I don't believe the Longhorns can keep up. Well, and Iowa State's um, offensive line is going to have to hold up. You've been talking a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they've been, before I talked to people, I told you that I thought they were going to absolutely think. You told me different, and so did other Iowa State people. You still haven't been totally impressed with the offensive line, from what I hear you saying. Right. But they're going to get they're going to get better and better. Right. And I looked up a stat. I can't remember who put this out, or I give them credit. Iowa State gave up eight sacks last year, Trent, to Texas. Eight sacks to Texas. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. That will not happen this year. That's not going to happen this year. They're not going to give up eight sacks. Haven't they only given up one? One all year, yeah. And last yeah. year, remember they led that game at the half. It was 6-3. Iowa State had the lead. They just couldn't do anything. And you mentioned the sack number. That was a big part of it here. Now, I, I, the offensive line has done a good job of protecting Park. I love how Park will stand tall in the pocket. He'll step up. He'll step into his throws. He's not scared of a little bit of pressure at his feet. He's done a nice job of that. Pressure's going to be better than I think anything that they've seen to this point out of Texas. I really wonder, though, if they can get this ground going game going just a little bit, because boy, if they can get out there and give Montgomery just a little bit of space, we know what a ridiculous athlete this guy is, breaking tackles, all those things. If that run blocking can take another step forward, now that's just another thing that that I love about this Iowa State ga- team in this game tonight. I don't know. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid just because I'm excited that I'm heading up there, Wolfgang. Maybe that's what it is, and, and I want to see an Iowa State victory because of that, but I, the the way everything is breaking, it it seems to me to all be pointing the Cyclones' way. So take me in the other direction. What goes wrong tonight for Iowa State to lose this game? Well, the the, the offensive line, as I said, is going to have to hold up. That's going to have to happen. And the line is is it still three and a half, Trent? Uh, four and a half is where it was. At least this morning I saw it. Let me take a one more updated look. So are you? What I want to know is, are you feeling comfortable taking Iowa State? You love the points. You're not. Yeah. You're not just taking the points. You're picking Iowa State outright to win this sucker. Oh yeah, I I, I got it at six and a half two days ago. It is currently five, wow. pretty much across the board in Vegas. A few four and a halfs out there uh, right now, but five is where it is at most shops. I got it at six and a half. I was pumped up about that. I should have taken a taste at the time on the money line then, because now the money line's down to a plus 170. But, yeah, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit. I'll, I'll throw a couple nickels out there and see what happens on the money line, too. I do. This is one of my favorite bets of the whole weekend. Thursday night games are sometimes difficult. Not the case here. I have been on this one for a while. Iowa State outright. 38-27, they get it done. 38-27. See, that's what I love. Guys, I've always told you, you talk to guys that gamble, they know their stuff. Guys that do fantasy football, put their money in a pot and want to win it so bad. Those are the guys you like to talk to about sports because they know their stuff. They watch things closer because they know uh, that's going to affect the amount of money that I have to feed my children. 
Trent. You know, Steve, I, I, I think I think you're uh, talking about my betting uh, a little bit higher stakes than the way that I actually do things. No, I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking oh, okay, about other people okay, okay. I talk to. Yes, yes. I'm not even. I, right, I know right, that right. you do gamble, but I'm guessing you don't go too far with that. No. But it interests me the whole gambling aspect because I love to hear people. If I can sit here and say, Trent, that I think Iowa State's going to make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And I do. Would I put money on it now? No. Oh, so what right. does my opinion really mean right now? Sure. If I had to put money on it, I would not put money on it. So is it a gun to the head? Now it's you're, now that's what I like. If it was a gun to the head, if is Iowa State going to make a bowl game? I wouldn't know what to say, Trent, because I'm sick and tired over and over. I know Iowa State. They look good against Iowa, and then all of a sudden something happens. They got a new coach. They got a new culture there. Their fan base is freaking crazy, 61-5. They're going to be pumped to go to this game. I'm excited. I'd go. Um, if I didn't, we got things going on with kids, so I'm pumped for that too. So I'll probably only get to watch the last hour. But I'm pumped to watch this, and we'll see what happens. But gun to my head now, is Iowa State going to make a bowl game? I don't know. I, you may be right on this Texas thing. This is more pressure than maybe we are acting like it is because everybody was saying six or seven wins for Iowa State this year. All the media, all the guys that followed the Big 12 and Iowa State hardcore, they were saying six to seven wins. I don't know anybody was were we deciding that Texas was a win for Iowa State in the preseason, Trent? I don't remember this. Yeah, I... I had them at 3-1 and one through the non-conference, and I said they had to get at least one of the two home games with Iowa or with Texas. You know, pick, pick which one, but they had to get through this first four, I guess. It's not non-conference because Texas is a conference game. But the first four, they had to get through it with a 3-1 and one record, and, and I stick to that. That's where I was on this one. I wasn't a, as big of a believer. I know our buddy Dace, he loved Texas coming into the year. I mean, he was, he was talking crazy. He was talking about them winning double-digit games and things like that. They're not there quite yet. Could they you know, win nine games this year? I, I guess, well, for them, certainly, it's got to start tonight, right? They can't afford a loss. And, and I said this yesterday. Iowa State fans, if you pull off the upset, be prepared. The national talking point is not going to be about Iowa State. It's going to be <laughs> what's wrong with Texas, what went wrong, Tom Herman, did he bite off more than he can chew, all these things. There's not going to be a mention about Iowa State. It's going to be article, talking point, Texas, Texas, Texas. And, and until Iowa State proves me wrong with some of this stuff, you, you have to step up. And there are programs that step up when they play these teams. And like I said, this isn't luck. Sometimes programs like Iowa State, even Iowa, others, we have to get, I'm not going to use the word lucky. Okay. I'm not sure if I believe in that, but you have to get the breaks yeah. um, in certain situations in order to hit the ceiling of your program in a, in a given season. And I believe that. Iowa State is going to have to get some breaks here to win. Um, Iowa didn't get the breaks in certain instances versus Penn State, but they have over the years. They play a good football team. They usually show, show themselves well. Iowa State is going to have to do that tonight, and if they do, they can get the win. And I hope they're not feeling the pressure. I hope they're not listening to Trent Condon and Jimmy <laughs> B, or they're not listening to uh, Ken Miller and, and uh, Trent Condon because they might feel the pressure. If there's, I hadn't even thought of the pressure angle right now until you brought it up. Now there's pressure, man. 
looking at the rest of the schedule and what you brought up, Trent Condon, that's some pressure. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's all on Iowa State tonight. Wolfgang, we uh, just have about a, two minutes left here. Before we do, uh, your thoughts on the Hawkeyes, Michigan State out in East Lansing. Do the Hawks get it done, or is there uh, a bit of a layover fatigue factor Saturday afternoon? Um, I don't know. I think Iowa will get it done. I think they're a three-and-a-half point favorite. Does that sound right, Trent? Michigan State favored by three-and-a-half. Excuse me, yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, and I heard you guys talking about D'Antonio on the hot seat yesterday. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I hate. When, I know you hate when I do that. Yes. I think I heard you guys, or maybe it was another program, putting, I can't believe that he is on the hot seat after what he's done. It's ridiculous. But, but, the guy remember, been, but remember, it's not just his win-loss record. They've had a lot of issues, a lot of issues over the last year. That plays a big part of it. Okay. I will take that into account. Um, I'll go on the field. The, on the field, the guy's been right. unbelievable. Yeah. No, I and agree. that was when Michigan stunk. Yeah. You know, that was when, you know, we're going to see what happens now with the off-the-field stuff. And then 3-9 and nine last year. Had you told me Michigan State would have gone 3-9 and nine <laughs> last year before the season, I would have said, you are loopy. Yeah. You're freaking crazy. I don't like this coach. He's a good coach. He's a jerk. You know what? We got a great coach and a great guy as coach at Iowa. And that's what I love. We got both. The dude is just a stud. And if he don't like, if he don't like uh, D'Antonio... I don't like D'Antonio. Screw that guy. I can't stand him. Some of the negative recruiting that I've heard, I'm not even sure it's even it's even like uh, just whispers anymore. It's true. I mean, we had an Iowa player that basically came out and told Kirk Ferentz what was being said in the recruiting game mm-hmm. with the Rabdo thing. Am I making stuff up here, Trent? No, he's a punk. No. He's a punk. This is a rivalry. This yeah. is no fake rivalry. This is something that gets me animated. I don't really care about Minnesota. I know you like Minnesota, blah, yep. blah, blah. I don't care about them. I care about Wisconsin and Michigan State. I can't stand them. Iowa State, they're my friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. I don't hate them. For God's sakes, I hate Michigan State and Wisconsin in a sports sense. can't stand these suckers, and I want to beat them bad. We're underdogs. We're playing the underdog role, and we have to win this if we want to uh, get to the uh, Big Ten Championship game. There's still a chance. Um, I'm putting probably a 30% chance on it. I don't know what you are. It's going to be tough with the schedule. I uh, really enjoyed that, and I'm going to cut that up, send the MP3 over to Kirk Ferentz, and he's going to play it, I think, before uh, the matchup with East Lansing. He's got the boys pumped up. It's the uh, the pump-up talk with Wolfgang. Kirk you... may not. Brian will. Brian will, <laughs> You have a good weekend, Wolfgang. Enjoy Iowa State-Texas tonight, Iowa-Michigan Michigan State over the weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. All right, have a fun time, Trader. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll see you, Wolfgang. Always oh, got to take his shots, doesn't he? And one more shot as he walks out the door. Well, we still got more show coming your way. We'll cap things on the other side with the big news of college basketball. Mark Adams will be joining us, longtime college basketball coach and also a guy that knows the game well as he's been covering college basketball for ESPN for a number of years. He'll be here, his perspective. And then Jim and myself, we will give you our final predictions. You might have just heard it a moment ago. One more time. We'll see where Jimmy B is tonight. With Iowa State and Texas, the countdown continues to kick off tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN, Iowa State against Texas. We continue on Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700.
Welcome back, everybody. It's our final segment, and we're going to cap it off with a guy who I go back with a long time. Uh, he's still currently employed, and I have no idea why, but he is with ESPN as their top uh, college broadcaster for the Valley and other conferences doing college basketball. Uh, let's say hello to Mark Adams on the Draft House 50 hotline. Hello, Mark. Hello, Jim, my very first play-by-play partner on my first ESPN broadcast ever at Buffalo. I still remember it like <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs> I wish it was yesterday. I'd be a lot younger. That would be that would be perfect, Mark. <laughs> uh, let's kind of get into this, okay? Uh, and the reason that we wanted you on the show, you are a former coach, and I saw your tweet yesterday where you said you were cut loose because you didn't win enough and you refused to dip in to the underbelly of college athletics. Can you kind of go into detail on that a little bit? Yeah, a lot of times fans talk about that this is not a victimless crime. It is a victim, it is a victim crime because there's, there's coaches. And Jim, there's literally hundreds and thousands of us over the years that – built our programs the right way, cared about our guys graduating, never broke an NCAA rule my entire career. And in 1996, I was fired for not winning enough. And I'm okay with that. I understand the gig. But when coaches like me and the thousands of us that watch coaches who blatantly cheat, who in this case, according to the FBI, have paid players up to $150,000 to come play for them, you know, prostitution, you name it, it's out there. Failed drug tests that are ignored, all those kinds of things. And you see those guys get five-game suspensions, make the Hall of Fame, and make seven-plus million dollars. You know what? i got a problem with that. And, and so as I look at it, there are victims. I'll give you two other victims. Northern Ireland, 2015. They played Louisville in the Sweet 16. They lost that game. How many of those guys playing for Louisville either were part of that prostitution deal or got paid. And I know for a fact that Northern Iowa doesn't cheat. Ben Jacobson would never allow it to happen. Seth Tuttle was one of the best players in the country. What about 2013 when Wichita State in the Final Four played Rick Pitino's team and lost them by four points? You know, that team right there, they're going to vacate that national title. That means that Ron Baker, a fine young man, Fred Van Bleet, a fine young man, Tekel Cotton, a fine young man, will never experience the opportunity to play for a national championship. There are victims, and I want fans to understand that and understand where I'm coming from, giving a context that I coached, I didn't cheat, I got fired, I'm cool with that. But watching other guys make all that money, get all those accolades, and make the Hall of Fame, Jim, I got a big problem with that. The question mark that I have for you is how deep is this? You know, you mentioned mid-major programs with the MVC, but are we just talking about this as something that is funneling to you know, the top 20, 25 players in the country, or does this go a lot deeper than maybe even people think here initially? Well, Fran Fraschilla was on ESPN yesterday on the air, and he said, this is, this is exactly what he said, he thought that 70% of the Power Five programs do not cheat. Okay. Now, I think he kind of meant it as a positive, but that means 30% he feels like they do cheat. <laughs> you know? Right. So I don't know what the percentage is, but I do know this. I spoke to, to many coaches over the years, and, you know, they trust me. They tell me things. And when you have a, a gym, as you know this, and Trent, you too, when you have a conversation off the record, 
you don't share those kinds of things. But I'll tell you this, there were two conversations in particular of two totally unrelated coaches who probably don't even speak. I mean, there's a little bit of a rivalry that goes back with these two. Independently of each other, obviously, in separate conversations, they both told me the exact same thing, that there is a mafia, they use that word, a mafia in college basketball, and they're paying players that there's an underbelly, a middle level of go-to guys, and right now we're starting to figure that out based on the FBI, that there's these middle guys, assistant coaches, who are working through these other middle guys who go to the top of the shoe companies, and they're literally paying players six figures. They told me that. Now, I couldn't prove it. I didn't have any specific instances. I didn't know exactly who it was. But they both told me the same story and used the exact same term. There's a mafia operating in college basketball. That was no coincidence in my view. Mark Adams is our guest on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Mark, let me follow up then. Are we going to see even more assistant coaches and then have it filter up to the head coach and athletic directors get the axe? I don't think there's any question because, you know, these assistant coaches, they're going to talk. I mean, their choice is either go to jail for possibly up to 20 years or tell the FBI everything they knows. They know. I don't think there's any choice there. I mean, they've got families. They've got to, they've got to try to save their backsides as best they can now because they're caught in this web. So there's no question in my mind there are going to be big-name head coaches that are going to be paddling in that same boat, going down the same crap river as Rick Pitino. And you know what? They all deserve to go down that crap river. So, Mark, when we look back September 26, 2017, is that going to be looked at as a good day for college basketball or a bad day? I think it's a great day for college basketball. You know, I, I felt a couple of different emotions. One was certainly disappointment because it's a game that I love, that I've been a part of since 1979, and, and I, I just love the great positive stories. And, and Jim and Trent, you know this about me. I love telling those positive stories. But I also felt vindication for, for all of my coaching brethren that, that have given their heart and souls, that, that taught in the classroom at the small college level, and, and really had the player's best interest in mind to get a degree, to graduate, to be good fathers, to be good husbands, to raise good kids. You know, that's why I got into the game. My highest-paying job was at Central Connecticut. I made slightly over $60,000. It was never about the money for me. And for thousands of other coaches that are coaching in high school today and junior college and small college and at the Division One level, that's what we've got to get back to is the why you coach. You coach to mentor people. You coach to help them get to where they want to go. You coach to bring young men value, not to become a guy who just collects valuables based upon the millions of dollars that they make. It's about the value. It's not about the valuables that you can collect. Mark, then, where will school presidents go with this, especially if their school is implicated? How can they how can they right this wrong, or will they ever really be able to right this wrong? I think they have to act decisively and do basically what happened at, at Louisville and probably should have happened a lot earlier, quite honestly. But, but I think that, they, they first of all, they've got to make sure that they take care of the in-house thing first. But I think there's five steps that need to take place. One is that 
There has to be punishment for these types of things that's more severe, so that the punishment for cheating has to be more severe than the punishment for losing. So in that way, when there's academic fraud, when there's money that changes hands, I think that you ban those coaches for life from the NCAA. I think now we, we change the more of a baseball model where it's pro or no-go, where you decide out of high school if you want to be in the draft, that's fine. Then there's a minor league system that can pick you up, and you can go. But real student-athletes go off to real universities. I think you reward the most important behaviors. Why are we giving financial reward for participation in the NCAA tournament? What's the mission of every university? What's the mission of the NCAA? I think the financial reward should be based on academic performance and achievement and awarded to the highest performing individual schools and conferences. I think you abolish buy games in college basketball. No more where you can buy a team to come in. It's got to be either home and home or neutral site games. I think that whole system of where that money trickles down in that way, it's a wrong way to go about your business. And lastly, I think every coach, every coach in the country should get back to the classroom. Every coach should teach in the classroom. They should have a minimum of a master's degree, and they should teach part-time and at least be a part of the faculty at every university. Those are the five steps, Jim. If they do that, Trent, I think we'll get back on the right track. But if they piecemeal things together then I don't like the future of college basketball. No, great stuff there, Mark. Uh, plenty of great ideas. And love to get uh, you as a sounding board here. we got to do this more often. I know you're a busy guy out there, Mark, but appreciate your time here today. It's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's Mark Adams, everybody, uh, ESPN. You see him uh, on Valley games uh, all season long, and he works other conferences as well. And he came to us on the Draft House 50 hotline. Strong stuff from him today, Trent. Yes, absolutely, and uh, some of it might be a little pie in the sky. I don't think you're putting the genie back in the bottle of getting you know people to uh, get the coaches back in the classroom and right. have master's degrees. Right, I degree. understand. Uh, they're great ideas, but uh, in the reality, I don't know if that's going to be happening. But he said it, a, a good day for college basketball will be looked back upon, and, and if some of the shadiness is taken away, and that probably is a good thing. Speaking of uh, shadiness, I don't know how that was a terrible transition. Jimmy B. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, what? <laughs> we, we go to a, a shady man in his own right, Jim Brinson. What's happening tonight? Iowa State, Texas, make your call. All right. Uh, is the line still at about five? Is that where you have it right now? I think that that's uh, about the case. Yeah. I am going, you know, I'm going to take Iowa State and the points. I think. Look, it's a toss-up game to me. I think whoever wins is going to win by three or four. I think it's close, but I am going to take the points and take Iowa State tonight. Going with the points in Iowa State, I have had my opinion out there throughout. I think Iowa State is winning this game. I don't need those sticking points, Jimmy B. I am going to go with the Cyclones. outright to get it done. Of course, for betting purposes, I'll grab the points, but they win it tonight. Yes. 38-27 Cyclones Woo. roll Woo. to the victory, a two-score victory for the Clones tonight. Wow, that's a big score. I was more inclined at like 34-30, 34-31, something like, something like that, but man, you're going big time here. That's impressive, Trent. Yeah, we'll see. It's just a prediction. They're, they're bound <laughs> yeah, to know. be wrong. With that, Jimmy B, we are done. Bears-Packers also tonight. You got a hit on that one? 
Uh, I'm going to take Green Bay in this game. Uh, look, I, I know that the, the Bears had a nice win at home over Pittsburgh. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers and company's got too much. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you there. Point spread, uh, interesting in that one as it stayed, kind of hovered around that touchdown mark. A lot of public money, as you'd imagine, coming in on Green Bay. If I had to make a bet, and I will not be betting this game, I would grab the points, though. Just too much public money on the Packers. You know me, I love to fade the public, and I would be going that direction. But not a uh, lock fire here for my Chicago Bears. I'll be up at Jack Trice here in just a little bit, Jimmy B, watching the Clones and the Longhorns, and uh, keeping my eye on the Bears-Packers tonight because my Minnesota Twins have clinched. Yes, they have, and I'm surprised that you even made it to work today. <laughs> I, I thought that you might be, I thought you might have some really bad, uh, headaches. Uh, I was Excedrin headache number 26 for my partner, Trent Condon. After the Twins, who lost over a hundred games last season, become the first team ever in Major League Baseball to lose a hundred games and then come back and make the playoffs. That's pretty good. Don't see it happen because it never has happened before. Jimmy B., we're out of time. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Football Friday. That'll be great. We're done. See you, everybody. Back again on Friday right here on the Big Talker 1700.